Welcome to episode number one of Mose is Better Than Qdoba. Facts. Uh, facts. Ben staring us down. What episode are we at now? What's it, six? This is episode six. Welcome to episode number six of Three and Out Podcast. Brett Shavs, always alongside the lovely Benjamin Pope and Michael Cicchetti. Fellas, week three's over, mm. and we got a lot to talk about. I'm just going to kick this one to Ben, because he's got some headlines prepped and ready to rock and roll. Ooh. So, right over to the man in the Red Sox headband. Love it. Yes, sir. Yeah, all right. So, I guess we'll go to the last game. We'll start off at the end of the Week 3 slate and talk about the Dallas Cowboys matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles last night. Absolute smacking of the Eagles in that one. Great showing up uh, from the Dallas defense. Something that uh, a lot of us, and I know us three included, were very surprised on how well that they have been playing, holding the Chargers uh, to only 14 the previous week, and now a really good matchup against the Eagles. And now with uh, Washington, they had a really rough game against Buffalo, uh, giving up 41 points, and really surprising to see the flip of the script that the Dallas defense is the one that is holding up strong, and the Washington defense has really been struggling. So it's tough. Washington it is, yeah. bad this year. Really unimpressive, and especially that secondary has been – absolutely torched and we saw what buffalo did to them yeah. on sunday so i guess the question here is with washington they're at one and two right now dallas at two and one dallas could honestly be three and oh uh very close matchup in week one at first thursday night game against tampa and then uh washington who honestly should be 0 three right now they very much lucked out and win against the giants uh, a couple thursday nights ago but is dallas officially in you guys mind the favorite in the NFC East. Um, if I'm looking at it at this moment in time, if you're judging it off of three games and the way Dallas has played, yes. Long term, I still think it's anyone's race. Yes, Philly is one and two. Yes, New York is now one and two after B. Actually, they They're lost to Atlanta. Three. Sorry, they're 0 and 3. Um, I forgot they lost to Atlanta. And then, obviously, Washington one and two. Um, if if Washington can get Fitzmagic back, we'll see if they can make a late push. But obviously, without a quarterback that can lead them at the helm and has veteran experience, I don't see them competing with Dallas. If the Dallas defense continues the way that they've been playing, Micah Parsons continues to step up a little bit more, and Trevon Diggs plays the high-level football he's been playing the past couple of weeks. I like this Cowboys team, and I do. I do a lot. Yeah, and the thing about this division, it's still so wide open because the Cowboys are obviously kind of a tier above the rest at this point, and Trevon Diggs has really stepped up as his in the cornerback one role, which is good to see for their defense. Just speaking on Washington strictly, defense hasn't been playing good, but they have the talent on the team to turn it around at any moment, so I'm not worried about that. My problem is with Taylor Heineke, I don't know. Like, at, at first, I'm not sure how I feel about him. But now, I kind of think he... I feel like Taylor Heineke doesn't offer much less than Fitzpatrick would, if I'm being honest. Fitzpatrick, obviously, has a very Much experience. less and much more. 
I don't think I don't think there's much of a difference between them. Okay, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Obviously, I would take Fitzpatrick over him just due to his vet experience. Yeah. But I don't think that Fitzpatrick offers much more in terms of skill. I think they're almost equal. That right. That's what yeah. I'm trying to get across. I don't th- think there's much of a difference. And the Giants, Daniel Jones played very well in Week Two against Washington's defense. And still, in my mind, they have a great defense on well on paper thus far, so they could flip it any any second. I still think Philly's gonna end up at the bottom, but still, it's still super early in the season. Dallas seems to be the uh, runaway favorite at this point, but we will see because yeah. any three of those teams I could see still a lot of football making a run. Yeah, for me, I honestly think that it is a changing in the guard, at least in my opinion. I would uh, say that Dallas is the favorite. Uh, from the rest of the season on, just with the kind of energy that they've played with over the first three weeks, like they played Tampa hard. Like the Tampa defense has been a little bit lackluster over the first three games, and what can you expect from a team coming off a deep Super Bowl run uh, last season? That their defense was arguably their best part, uh, biggest success during it. But they played uh, the Chargers defense hard as well, which is a very solid defense there, and. Well, the Eagles aren't a special defense. It's still a kind of solid one, but they played them really well. Uh, kind of changed kind of their approach and what a lot of people were expecting, in, especially in this game, where the Eagles, usually known for having a good run defense, Dallas really depended on running the ball between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Zeke had two touchdowns in this game. Uh, the first two touchdowns actually for Dallas. So they really wanted to run the, run the ball as much as possible. And honestly, I believe... Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think they have a better winning percentage over the past couple seasons when they run the ball, run the ball more than passing the ball, just because they're usually passing from behind. But still, Ceedee Lamb and Amari Cooper, um, and Cedric Wilson and Dalton Schultz and all those pass catchers that they have, it's still a great group. Dak Prescott is doing really well in his first three games. Hasn't been lighting up the world. I had a really good first game, but has been playing solid. But it's mainly that defense, man. You guys talked about. Trayvon Diggs as well, but I also want to highlight Michael Parsons, mm-hmm. who has transitioned from a linebacker. <clears throat> He's been playing on the defensive line uh, for the Cowboys and doing a really good job at it. Beautiful. Uh, I believe he caused yeah. uh, his fumble last night uh, against the Eagles, or fumble or sack, or one of those two. And Is that he, the goal line, right? Yeah. Um, and he's been putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, uh, so he's been doing a really good job. Just a lot of development from a defense that Really showed nothing, and not that I want to give too much credit to Dan Quinn here, but I think he's doing still a pretty good job here. Only concern and only reason I'd still keep Washington in the conversation is because I do not care for Mike McCarthy in the slightest as our head coach. Uh, He even made a couple mistakes in last night's game that was actually pointed out by the broadcast where uh, right before halftime they they had two timeouts or one timeout left, and they were not taking it. They actually kneeled, and they could have – either gotten a field goal or another touchdown out of it but aside from Mike McCarthy there I think Dallas is really proving that they do have a legitimate shot not only at the division but uh, for a decent run in the playoffs it's it's that offense that offense is so high powered Mm -hmm. and picture when they get Gallup back too you'll have Cooper you'll have Gallup you'll have Cedric Wilson you'll have CeeDee Lamb Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard as a one-two punch I mean the list goes on. I mean, you have Jarwin and Schultz. Obviously, Schultz has been getting a little bit more of the work right now, but still, I this Dallas offense, and then obviously the defense starting to 
go through the slow stages of getting better. They haven't been fantastic the past five years, but they're slowly getting to that point under Dan Quinn now where they they could be very competitive on both sides of the ball. For sure, for sure. So we'll move on to our next little headline here, and we'll transition over to the next game, uh, which was the San Francisco 49ers against the 1-1 Green Bay Packers. Packers win in a very close one. The Niners were able to come back in this one after the Packers had a 10-point lead uh, going into half. And Jimmy G almost made this a really big win for the Niners, but Aaron Rodgers is that bad man, of course. 37 seconds left on the clock. Gives him enough time for him and Devontae Adams, who was not in concussion protocol. I don't care what you say. He was okay for being out there. Um, Made two big catches and put them into field goal range for uh, Mason Crosby. So Aaron Rodgers with yet another comeback. Doing really well after that really rough game uh, during week one against the Saints. Um, Where the Packers stand right now in the NFC, I think that is kind of up in the air. I think people obviously value them as a favorite in their own division, but compared to the rest of the competition in the NFC, I think it'd be tough for them to uh, be put in the top two right now, just the way that both Tampa yeah. and the Rams are playing right now. So a question to you guys is, what do you think the Packers really need to do or how far are they away from cracking that top two uh, with the Rams and the Bucks? Uh, for me, I think this is energy. Um from what I saw in the beginning of the 49ers game, you had two huge passes in the first half that really, you know, set a fire underneath this Packers team. It was the deep throw to Alan Lazard and the deep throw to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, it really just set the tone for how the Packers are going to play, playing aggressive for the vertical offense and really just kind of, you know, shoving the football down San Francisco's throat. They played really aggressive all night long. You mentioned Jimmy G almost made the comeback, but it ended up being Aaron Rodgers that saved the day. Um, with Devontae Adams. Um, I like the way they play when they have high energy and they stay on the gas pedal through four quarters, but if they pull off blunders and get discouraged early on against in games like the Saints, week one, you can, they take themselves out of games, and I think it's just a matter of staying mentally focused and playing with high volume at all times. See, I was going to say I can't see them cracking top two because I don't see them jumping Tampa or the Rams just based on how they're playing but thinking about it the Packers offense when it when it gets going it is yeah a force to be reckoned with Mm -hmm. there was a moment in time last season where there was a couple weeks span where them and the Chiefs were 1a and 1b like as complete and utter favorites over everyone else yeah because their defense has pieces to get the job done defensively Obviously, you're taking the Rams and Bucks defense over them, but the Packers offense is just when it gets going. However, you just can't I, stop it, right? Because you have Devonte Adams, arguably the best receiver in the league. You have Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Fame quarterback, and you also have Aaron Jones, who is he's Aaron Jones. Does anything? Yeah, he'll do anything to get the job done. Right now, I don't think they're cracking top two. They're they're definitely three. I don't see them any lower than three. I don't think it's a fair argument to put any team over them at this point at the third spot. Let me pose this question. I know you two are huge fans. Would you put Carolina right now no. above or below no. Green Bay? No. Just a below. question. Below. No. Below? Okay. Just surveying. Not being blasphemous with our love here. They played the Texans and the Jets. You know? I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Carolina three. 
Okay. M- matter of fact, matter of fact, no. Hold on, give me a second. Matt Stafford, you know Brady's 44. Matt Stafford's over 30. Sam Darnold's, what, 25? I might take Carolina number one in the NFC. That's from, a bold take. It's a bold take right there, Mr. Mike. It's a bold face lie, dog. I'm putting them. They're, they're, I don't know how I. Did you believe him? Did I you think believe he me? He did believe him. For did, solid. He did yeah. Him. I'll be honest. I don't know where I would put them, honestly. Neither do I. I would put them. So I did like a quick power rankings before, and this isn't meant to be on the podcast. So I'm just going to say this as a sidebar. Among the NFC teams. I have them. I have them four. Do you? I do. Yeah. Rams, Bucks, Packers, and Panthers. Because I have five and five. Who are your five and six? Uh, Cowboys, and I'd still take Seattle over yeah. Arizona. I agree. Um, I agree. You take Carolina over Arizona as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just think Carolina's. Coaching and play calling is much better than Arizona's. It's beautiful. All right. Continue. Did Sorry. you have anything else to add? No, that was, that was just okay. it. Just my I'll troll. Just, go my thing, then. just my troll. Um, so my thing with the Packers, and, is, and it still remains from what I think their issues were at the beginning of the season, like before the season starts, um, they need extra O-line help just because they're still missing David Bakhtiari. His ETA is still up in the air. Um, so whenever he comes back, he'll be a big addition. But the O-line is a big situation there for the Packers, protecting Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And then it's still the second wide receiver spot, in my opinion, that is very much lacking. I know that Brett mentioned the big catches from Lazard and MVS, but that's pretty much all they did in that game. Otherwise, it was Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, we have had 19 targets uh, on Sunday, which by far led the Packers. So... Their run game is there. Adams is there. They just need that extra piece that they can depend on in the wide receiver game. And honestly, if they are able to add someone um, before the trade deadline, that'd be... They already got him on the team. Who's that? Randall Cobb. Not Randall Cobb. I'm lying. Honestly, I was thinking about... I love Randall Cobb. I don't know how much... I don't. um, I don't know how much money they can take on. Brandon Cooks is an obvious pick, but I don't oh think that God. he'll be able to go over there. That would be oh that would be amazing. Um, if Brandon Cooks went to Green Bay, that actually might be the deadliest wide receiver core. I don't think they oh can afford it, though. No, there's no way. Gosh. They already paid Alexander, right? Or is he still waiting to get a max contract? We can find out for you. Because if they haven't paid Alexander, they still have to pay him. He must they just be, paid Zadarius he... Smith, if I'm not mistaken. No. Oh, they backloaded it. It's just... To, you still have to pay Alexander. You have to pay Zadarius Smith. That's why I said it wouldn't happen. Yeah, there's no way. Because if you brought on Cooks, I'm, then... You, you know, that's why I said it wouldn't happen. It'd yeah. probably be like a cheaper option that they'd have to go to. But honestly, like, I think they have a str- They have something that the neither the Bucks or the Rams do, which is a strong run game. Maybe we'll see if Darrell Henderson can do that for the Rams. I don't think Fournette or Rojo can do that for the Bucks right now, especially w- with the way that they played. Um... Their secondary is definitely stronger than Tampa's. Their O-line with Bakhtiari. Packers? The Packers' secondary is better than Tampa's right now. Especially because they have injured players. Mm -hmm. Um, And their O-line, when Bakhtiari comes back, it would probably be on the same level as the Rams. Or close. The Rams 
offensive lineman is, is beginning to age. It's kind of yeah. yes. kind of reaching that decay. That's why, like, that's why, like, I think when Bakhtiari comes back, and if one of MVS or Lazard is able to step up at all, that's why I'm so mad that Tanyan hasn't done much this season. But that's that's another point there. But um, the Packers have never when, been a team though that really utilize a tight end. That's like the only thing. They, I don't feel like there's well, ever been when a they th- had Jimmy Graham, they used him a decent. That's fair. And Tanyan had a very good season last year. It was definitely the second option in the red zone after Devontae Adams. But yeah, we can kind of move on from the Packers talk here. We'll go over to a couple teams coming off of two-game losing streaks now. That is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks, both coming off losses. Chiefs losing to the Chargers in a very close game Sunday afternoon, the 1 o'clock slot. And then in the 4 o'clock slot, Seattle losing to Minnesota. Minnesota moving to 1-2 and two record. So uh, they their hopes are uh, building up a little bit more, especially with that home victory. But Seattle's lost two in a row. They lost that heartbreaker to Tennessee. Kansas City's lost two in a row. They lost the heartbreaker to Baltimore on Monday night. Mm-hmm. As Andrew Mishlak gives me the surf's up, dude. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, one – the Seattle defense has just been struggling is – been the main reason of these two losses and then Kansas City has been struggling with turnovers both uh through Mahomes with interceptions which he previously hadn't thrown any interceptions in September and now has thrown three or four uh, and then the fumbles from Clyde Edwards Alaire so um just talking about both teams here uh who should we be more concerned on kind of moving forward between Kansas City and Seattle I don't think it's time to panic yet on Kansas City. No. Obviously, this is one of the more difficult stretches that we've seen them have in the beginning of the season the past few years. Um, obviously, if you saw the news recently, Andy Reid did go to the hospital. He is released, though. He is okay. So maybe that played a factor into what happened. I bet it was very small, but somewhat played a factor in how Andy Reid was the game during the game. But in terms of how the Chiefs played, Silly mistakes. Obviously, the fumbles, turnovers can't happen. That's not usual football from Pat Mahomes. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So if they clean up their act a little bit in just terms of getting back to fundamentally sound football, um, they'll be the Chiefs like they were two years ago. Um, I still firmly believe that. The secondary is still capable. Um, Linebacking core I still think is really solid with Chris Jones still leading the helm with the defensive line. Um, And then the offense is the offense. There's no explaining there. Um, and then just moving over to the side of Seattle, I think there's someone that needs to be a lot more concerned as far as defense. Obviously, the defense has not been the same as it was five, six years ago. Um, Shaquem Griffin and Shaquille Griffin were big losses there. Shaquille yep. Griffin, obviously, the bigger one at corner. So they really don't have a true identity at cornerback right now. So to no. me, I think this Seattle defense is almost in the rebuilding stages um, to help accompany Russell Wilson and I think it's going to get to the point where Russell Wilson is going to be the sole factor in how Seattle can win football games well that's the thing because Russell Wilson is in the prime of his career exactly they can't take too long rebuilding their defense with him you just you can't have a awful defense and then expect Russell Wilson to back you up because there's going to be a point where you just can't get a break I'm looking at the uh, defense ratings through the first three weeks, and they are dead last. Yep. Kansas yeah. City is 30, though. They're yeah, not much just better. a quick stat. So I believe Russell Wilson actually leads in QBR this season 
And then the Seattle defense is last in the number of yards that they are allowing. So Yeah, dead last. There you go. That explains it. You know who second last is? Washington. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, I have this pulled up right now. Yeah, I'll just go through it really quick. The Washington secondary, in terms of allowing passing yards, has been absolutely atrocious. Against the Bills, they put up three, they allowed 359 passing yards to Josh Allen, 334 passing yards to Justin Herbert, and 228 passing yards to Daniel Jones. So that is not the best coming out of a defense that was ranked pretty high coming into the season. I would say I'm fine giving up those big 300-yard games because those are two, two of the, of best, the best quarterbacks, quarterbacks in the league. league. However, however, Washington's defense is supposed to... Let me see where they rank rushing-wise. So, so passing-wise, just real quick, they are fourth worst... And rushing, where their strong suit is... That's where they're good at. They're not much better. They are eighth worst. Wow, that's actually surprising. Yeah, I guess just going back to Kansas City and Seattle now. So, um, it's tough because they're both in divisions right now that are equally as good, quote-unquote. So, the Chargers are 2-1. and Both the the Raiders and the Broncos are 3-0. We'll get to that. Just in a moment. I disagree. And then Go you ahead. disagree that they're both 3-0? and No, no. <laughs> That's a fact. I disagree that their divisions are. Oh, I agree, but just where they're at right now in the yeah. standings. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, okay. And then Arizona is 3-0. and um, San Francisco is 2-1. and uh, LA is 3-0. and So they're all sitting in the same spot. They're 1-2 and with division mates either one or two games up on them. Um I'm actually going to say Kansas City, though, and I'm going to say Kansas City for this reason. Um, I don't think, like, I think the Seattle Seahawks could be given a pass if they don't make the playoffs this year just based on the division they're working with. Whereas I think if Kansas I City, I think, I think if Kansas City uh, didn't win their division, it It'd would be, be a lot a, more shocking. It would be a big upset, or even right. if they like tied with the Chargers or the Raiders or the Broncos, right? Like if they were anywhere close to them, I think that would be a big upset. Even though that I think, like a lot of people expected the Chargers to be, um, like a big like surprise team this year and wildcard potential. Yeah. Whereas in the NFC West, a lot of people thought all four of those teams all could make four the of those teams could make the playoffs. So right. I see what if, you're saying. If Seattle's coming back with the same bad defense that Russell Wilson had to deal with last season, like, of course they're going to f- be the last place yep. team, especially with the, all the improvements that Arizona made, the way that Matthew Stafford has come in and just rejuvenized the L.A. offense and given Sean McVay new life as a head coach. And then San Fran is just San Fran. Kyle Shanahan does his thing with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. They're such a great record with him under center. But It's a good point when you spin it like that. I didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I would say Kansas City and – like, he, here's my thing though. Kansas City does not worry me in the slightest. Kansas City could start this year hypothetically zero and four, and I would not worry at all. Oh, they'd still make the playoffs for me. I think it's just the concern is that oh, they haven't been as dominant as they have been in years past. Why is that? Like, it's been turnovers in th- these past couple games and letting great quarterbacks like Justin Herbert and 
Lamar Jackson get back into the game, which is an advantage for both those teams. It was an advantage for the Browns. Baker Mayfield obviously isn't at that level at this point. But here's the thing. They did give Baker an opportunity, and he just didn't yeah. seize it. Yeah. Because they could have easily lost that game as well. Exactly. So I'm like, what's going on with Kansas City on both sides where they're not able to put a team away and they're giving opportunities to the opposing quarterback to make that game-winning drive happen? Wasn't Mahomes the flip side. 10-0 in September before this year? He an interception. I think undefeated. In a row and yeah. I think it's just like the surprise of it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I take it with a grain of salt. As we should, yeah, I agree. But okay, we can move on, and I kind of tease this uh, in my statement. There, we're going to talk about the Raiders and the Broncos now, and uh, so the Raiders first, uh, another very close win against Miami, uh, against Pittsburgh. They had a pretty uh, clear and cut win, but two close wins against my, both Miami and Baltimore. All three of those teams, ten plus wins last season, so. Quality football teams from last season that they're beating up on. Uh, and now the Broncos moving to 3-0. and They've been missing Jerry Judy since pretty much the middle of the first game. They're going to be out with Bradley KJ Chubb. Hamler uh, out for the season with a torn ACL. Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb has been AFK, as Mike so kindly mentioned. Um, <laughs> but they have played against weaker teams, both, all three teams. Uh, the Jets, the Jags, and the Giants combined 0 for 9 so far. So I guess the big question here is who are you taking the rest of the season between the Raiders and the Broncos? You can go ahead. No, I'll Brett, say, you're obviously going first. I think this stretch of five, six games is really going to test the Broncos in terms of how they can perform. Absolutely. You have the football team who could potentially turn around and step up. Which now? Which football team are you talking? The football team, Washington, Washington, last year that really showed up at the end of the year against Tampa Bay. That football team that can turn around. That's that's the football team. Yes, um, I'm talking about the Ravens, who they played this Sunday as of this recording. Um, will they show up and really stand out against Javaris, Javar, Lavar, Lamar? Um, also a great football team. Yes. They have to play, I believe, they have to play the Buccaneers, if I'm not mistaken, as well in that schedule. Um, I, may be, I may be wrong. Um, you but are, however, wrong, sir. The Cleveland, another good one. I forgot about Cleveland. We have Cleveland. to play Cleveland. Um, but this next five or six football games is really going to determine whether or not, one, Vic Fangio can Chargers. Chargers twice. Raiders twice. Oh, I'm a dummy. I don't even think Chiefs about that. twice. Um, and then... It's going to step up and really be a good head coach and call plays strategically. And two, will Teddy Bridgewater step up and be more than just a game-managing quarterback? Obviously, these three games have been kind of flukes. I'll, I'll call them flukes. Yes, it was they, were, they played very good football, but it's against three poopy teams. I wouldn't say... I wouldn't call that a fluke. I'd just no. be beating the teams that you're yeah. supposed to beat. Yeah. By fluke, I mean, like, you can't really judge how they are against good competition yet. Okay, I um, guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think this week against Baltimore is really going to be the start of, is this Broncos team really something to be taken seriously, or do they still have some growing pains to go through? 
And remember, they still have about eight or nine guys on injury reserve right now, so that's is something it, to consider. Is this soliloquy going to end with an answer, though? You didn't answer the question. Can you repeat the question again? So who are so you taking? Who am I taking? Broncos or Raiders? Oh. Raiders or Broncos? Um, the way the Raiders are playing, I'm actually going to go Vegas. Yeah. You Sorry to go on a three-minute Broncos uh, slander no, stant right there, but set, set in the foundation. Set yes. the foundation. Had to stand where I was coming from. No, it, it's it's the Raiders. The way that they've been playing, I'm taking their Derek Carr over Teddy B. I'm taking the Raiders' offense at this point over Denver. The only thing defensively I will say is it's tough for me to go against that Broncos secondary, but overall I'm taking the Raiders. Yep. Yeah, clean sweep for us here. I'm also going with the Raiders. This is back-to-back years where I absolutely love the team that John Gruden creates and the way that they're playing on the field. It's absolutely one of the grittiest like play out there. Um, he's getting the most out of his players. Derek Carr is just – Playing really well. He had that really weird game against Baltimore, but he ended up picking up the pace. He had a really good game against Pittsburgh, obviously, and then another solid one against Miami. I guess just a missing link for me right now with them is their run game. Josh Jacobs missed two games. Peyton Barber, Peyton Barber excuse me, actually had a solid game actually up in the air for, uh, what is it, the air and ground player of the week? The FedEx, FedEx ground and air. Ground and air player of the week. Yeah. Um, so he is up for that with uh, competition like King Henry. So we'll see what happens there. But um, their run game has been a little bit lackluster, and obviously their defense has been – it's been mediocre. I think it's allowed like it's somewhere between 17 and 24 points in all three contests. So it's nothing unbelievable. The O-line has held up more uh, than we thought coming into this Surprisingly. Season. Very yeah. much so. I was shocked at how productive they've actually been on offense as far as protecting Derek Carr. Just, they are just, averaging, Raiders defense is averaging 24 points per game given up. Yeah, it just seems like their pass, every approach is working out like yeah. pretty well so far. Um, and it's something that I view as like, I don't know if it'll hold up for the rest of the season, but I think it'll carry them far enough to be kind of in the situation that they were last year, where it was, they over overachieved and beat expectations and we're in the fight until the last couple weeks in the playoffs, which is, again, what I think they'll do this year. With Denver, I don't know what to expect. Like, it's still Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. It's kind of a similar situation with what he had in Carolina last year. A bunch you ne- of weapons. You never knew. But then he lost Judy and Hamler now. Um, so he's missing a couple key players there. Gordon and Javante Williams have been great so far, but I love they're going to be expected to do more with those uh, couple pass catchers moving out. The defense has been great, but it's also a defensive head coach, so you don't know how much uh, they're going to be able to score every week, especially because they have played three-week defenses. I know the Giants were honestly supposed to be better than this, at least in my expectation. Absolutely. absolutely. Now they're missing Blake Martinez now, yep. and Tough they honestly up. have not looked great on defense. So no. They've beaten up on three-week defensive teams. I don't know how far that offense could go where I kind of know where the how far the offense of the Raiders can go. They have a bunch of great pass catchers in Ruggs and Edwards and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Zay Jones who caught the game-winning touchdown against the Ravens. It keeps going on. And The biggest – sorry to cut you off. The biggest thing that I see between these two teams is 
You mentioned the Raiders allowed 24 points per game, Mike, but they can turn around and back it up on offense. You let up a touchdown, they turn around and score a touchdown. They did the same thing back and forth with the Dolphins, did the same thing with the Ravens. They can back it up on offense, and they have the weapons to do it. With Teddy Bridgewater, I, as much as I love them and I will ride the Broncos till I die, I just I don't see how this Broncos offense can help a defense out, especially with all these weapons gone. I mean, right now you're working with Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, David Moore, who they just signed from the Raiders, former yep. Seattle wideout, and Kendall Hinton. <laughs> Remember that name? Does that name ring a bell? The emergency QB? Absolutely. So those are the four guys, and then you have your punt returner wideout, Deontay Spencer, who's going to be your speed to replace Hamler. So not a huge fan of the way things are looking. So um, don't forget Noah Fan and Albert O, obviously. Abuka Webuam is actually how you pronounce it. I learned that a couple weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, I, this Raiders team, I think, I think I'm going to take them over. Yeah. All right, so a clean sweep there. And I guess we'll move on to our next point here. And this one is this one's a very interesting one because I think it's complete opposite of what we, at least what I expected coming into this year, and a complete opposite of what we saw in last year's quarterback class, it's the struggles of the first-year quarterbacks that are Ooh. that are starting. So I'll eliminate yeah. Trey Lance here. So he will not be in this conversation, though he very much could be very soon. But Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields, they are all now starting. Don't know how long Justin Fields will be starting. There's still the conversation between Matt Nagy on who's going to be starting between Fields and Andy Dalton if he's healthy, or maybe even Nick Foles again, uh, just because of how bad Justin Fields was this past week, and we'll talk about this in the loop, but a combined 2-10 and ten record between these four quarterbacks. Two wins, one goes to Mac Jones, one goes to Fields. What are some thoughts here on just the absolute struggles that the first-year quarterbacks have had so far? I don't see it as a surprise, um, yeah. but obviously... People know Wilson and Lawrence have to do a little bit better than what they've been, you know, drafted as number one and number two overall picks. Obviously, you can tell Wilson hasn't done what he's supposed to. I think he has six total picks in the past six or seven total interceptions in the past two weeks, which is kind of mind-boggling. Um, and then Lawrence, obviously, he's not really working with much in Jacksonville, but still kind of underperforming to what people thought he was going to be. Um, and then obviously, you saw Fields put up less than 100 yards passing in his start first ever start for Chicago um and everyone else just hasn't really done much Davis Mills didn't really do anything for Houston everyone else Trey Lance hasn't gotten much playing time um I just you're gonna have rookie quarterbacks that go through growing pains and I just don't think you're not gonna see them really develop until the back half of the season I think that's when you're gonna start to see Zach loose Zach Wilson a little bit more loose you're going to see Trevor Lawrence start to get more accustomed to the system. You might see more. Ju- your, you will see more Justin Fields. I'll put it that way. He's going to be starting by the end of the season. Um, I, you're not going to really see them develop and really get more comfortable into the last probably five or six games. That's my eyes, though. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. All these quarterbacks are going into situations. Disregarding Mac Jones from this conversation. In tough situations, Jacksonville, 
no real expectation. Same with the Jets. And Chicago's kind of up in the air, honestly, with expectations. They could be a team, honestly, kind of like Raiders. Meaning where if they did start hot, not surprising because they do have pieces, but also not surprising at their, what, one and two at this point? Two. The Chicago? Chicago's one and two. One yeah. and two. So they're all real. No expectations. They're all going to be the future hopeful, franchise hopefuls, quarterbacks for their teams. I'm not worried about them at this point. Come back maybe end of the season, but three weeks in. They haven't looked good, but I'm not stressing it if I am fans of these teams. Yeah, so start with Lawrence here. Completion percentage of 54%. Really ugly for the first first overall pick. Five touchdowns, seven interceptions. Him and Zach Wilson both have seven picks. So thus far, I believe they're tied for the league lead. Yes, they are. Um, Lawrence has kind of been put into situations where – the Jags defense is just not competitive. Now they're losing C.J. Anderson uh, in a trade to the Panthers, which we absolutely love. By the way, that's going to be we our love. We're gonna that's going to be our analysis there. We absolutely love that. Traded Dan Arnold, Dan Trevor Arnold in a third round pick for C.J. Anderson, and he had a tight end. There it is. See if Trevor Lawrence actually uses him. But ben, Lawrence is where just, is it? What? Where is it, Ben? There it is. Continue. Alrighty. Um, <laughs> so Lawrence has just been put into shootout situations, and he, he's been forced to make a decent amount of just tough throws. You saw a perfect example was his pick six against the Arizona Cardinals, where he kind of was forced into a flea flicker situation, and he just threw it right into the defense there. Easy pick six for Arizona. Um, and Zach Wilson's been kind of the same situation. Just coaching staff has not been able to back him up. Uh, as much in New York as tre- what Trevor's gotten in Jacksonville, which it is not saying very much, but still. Yeah. Um, two two touchdowns, seven picks for Wilson, 55% completion. So a little bit better, but not much better. Just very little support on the coaching staff. A lot of people are just dogging on the Jets coaching, and it's really tough on Robert Sala, who's coming into a first year with a bunch of other uh, first-year coaches, so it's really tough to see that. Fields, I don't know, man. I saw one thing on ESPN the other day, and I thought it was really interesting. It was uh, Dan Orlovsky, and he pretty much said that um, Matt Nagy should have been fired uh, after the game. And it, he pretty much came into the fact that it didn't seem like they changed anything from the offense that Andy Dalton was running, that they kind of just threw Justin Fields into that situation. It didn't seem like... He was being protected very often. They were running the same type of sets on third down pretty consistently, and it was just putting him into a bad situation where he couldn't scramble out of the pocket as well, which is something he does really well. And 6 for 20 uh, was the final line for him, just under uh, like 80 or so passing yards. It was really ugly. Um, And then finally, Mac. Mac Mac had a mixed bag of a game. He's been struggling with throwing... Passes over 20 yards plus. Yep. He had three interceptions uh, on Sunday, two of which very much his fault, uh, just trying to claw his way back into the game, and one just off the hands of Jonu Smith, but that was more on Jonu's fault. He's had trouble getting out of the pocket, and 
even though that that's one of his strengths, he's able to stay in the pocket well and long enough to get the ball down the field 10, 15 yards in the way that uh, whether Alabama or New England wants to handle it. He's not able to get out of it enough, and when he's trying to get out of it, he'll make some throws that unfortunately aren't the best of, in the best of situations. He's got the best completion percentage, however, 67%, which is uh, one of his stronger attributes. Uh, two touchdowns, three interceptions. But, yeah, I think I think just wrapping up the narrative here, I think the expectations that we had after great rookie seasons in Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, and I'll even throw Jalen Hurts in because he had a really solid two- or three-game stretch ever since he started against the Packers. I think our expectations were way too high, and this being known as kind of a quarterback class, it was kind of absurd for us to have these expectations and should kind of take away the glass pane that was in our in our eyes, uh, kind of giving us a higher expectation of what we really should have seen from these guys. You got to remember, too, like, these guys, even though, like, yes, you expect big things from them, they're human. They're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. Um, Paid Manning, one of the greatest to ever play the game. I believe he led the league in interceptions his rookie year as the number two overall pick to the Colts. He did. Um, which, obviously. Number one. What's that? Number one. He was the number one overall pick. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought it was Ryan Leaf. Um, what a Peyton yeah. Manning stand. Doesn't even know when he was picked in his draft. What year was it? Uh, oh. Two th- that was 1999. Believe young Mike. All right, keep talking. I'm just gonna. All right, but anyways, um, guys are gonna bounce back. Um, they're gonna find ways. You mentioned Justin Fields. I wasn't a big fan of the way they used him. Um, I don't think anyone was. Yeah, I think they need to open up the playbook a little bit more and just let Fields get comfortable um, with his weapons in Chicago. And I think obviously it was mentioned. I think the most comfortable right now out of all of them is Mac Jones. Um, obviously, still struggling with the deep ball. Um, struggling with scenario situations, but he's really comfortable in the pocket, um, understands the awareness coming from pass rushes and um, blitzes, and he's able to get comfortable with some of the weapons that he has. He knows what Johnny can do. Uh, he knows what Henry. He really utilizes Jacoby Myers well, which I'm a huge fan of. So I think Mac Jones has done not fantastic, but he's on a slow trend to becoming a nice quarterback in New England. Obviously, He's not Tom Brady. No one's Tom Brady, but he's going to get to the point where he can deliver solid production for the Patriots, and I don't think anyone should panic at any of these guys. Um, that's just my take on it. You ready for Peyton Manning's rookie stats? Oh, boy, this is not good. Peyton Manning this year was 1998. He ended the season with 3,739 passing yards, 56% completion, Yikes. 26 touchdowns, 28 picks. Yeah. Is this your king? This is my This is your king. Oh. Just, just, wow. I mean, that's relevant just due to the fact that guys are going to go through growing pains. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Back to Bob 16. <laughs> Alrighty then. So before, <laughs> before our last couple segments here, I wanted to just give a little bit of highlight and a little bit of shout out here and give your hear your guys' thoughts. Shout on out Alex Andrew. Oh, Shout out Quinn is not here. We're always here. Um, I wanted to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals real quick. And oh, they, ooh, I like they, this. They had a, 
a really solid win over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, mm-hmm. 24-10. You know, it's moving to 2-1. and one. They had a big uh, comeback victory against uh, Minnesota. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. They lost to the Bears, obviously, but it was also a three-point game. So they played in three really close matchups here, and they played better than expectations here. So I just wanted oh, to hear absolutely. you guys' thoughts on how the Bengals have been playing. Joe Burrow uh, coming back from his big injury last season and kind of just expectations and thoughts for him. The offense looks good. I mean, they're rolling. He has weapons. Jamar Chase will slowly emerge into that wide receiver one role by, I think, before the end of the season. And they have Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, great receiving core. Joe Mixon is a great running back if he can stay healthy. And Joe Burrow is looked great. He was arguably offensive rookie of the year last season before he went down. To me, I'll continue if you're going to finish. Defensively, I feel like they've been decent defensively, though. They've been a lot. They've been better than what people thought they were going to be. We'll put it at that. While you look that up, I guess I'll just give my my two cents. Yeah, go ahead. Game three, when they played the Steelers, I just think the Steelers flat out suck. Um, I'll put that out there. I'll just say that plain and simple. They had a great game against Buffalo, but the past two games against the Raiders and Bengals, they've been... I, I, w- I don't mean to cut you off. I wouldn't even give them the credit against the Bills because I think the Bills... The Bills just played flat-footed all day. Yeah, they played flat-footed in their first two games. Obviously, didn't do that against Washington. This was a team that we were expecting to come into this season, but I think Pittsburgh just got lucky in the couple mistakes yeah. that Buffalo did make. I agree, 100%. But wow. go ahead. Um, wow. But yeah, this... I think Cincinnati just full-out exploited every mistake that the Steelers made. Yes, they were missing Highsmith and T.J. Watt, two of their best pass rushers, um, but still, the fact that you can't produce on offense and the fact that Najee Harris had more receiving targets than he did rushing attempts, uh, I believe was the exact stat right there, kind of boggles my mind considering how advantageous Najee Harris can be as a running back you know, with running attempts as opposed to just being a pass back. Yes, he's good out of the backfield with, like, dump passes, maybe just quick little slants. He's good on that, but I feel like he's more advantageous as a ground-and-pound guy. Um, But the fact that they're utilizing him like that, I don't know. It just kind of creams my corn, to put it at that. Um, This Steelers team's just not utilizing their guys properly, and not a huge fan. But enough on the Steelers slander. Back to the Bengals. Did you hear it? No, we're going to keep on the Steelers' slander. Did you hear the report that the Steelers' front office is starting to get worried about Big Ben, how they say he looks like he's getting old? Did you guys see that report? Well, no crap, he's starting to get old. He's like 38, 39 <laughs> years old. Saying. I going, he's older than that. Going into the season, people expect it to be his last season before he retires. Yes, he lost 20 pounds, but age is age. Like, But he said he feels 28. And do you when, remember, when, Mike, when? do you remember we had a conversation, I want to say, back in like March or April, Okay, we had... Like, consider this was before the draft. Right. In, like, a couple of our mock drafts that we did, we were talking about Mac Jones going to the Steelers. That was a possibility of, going like, in. Like, Lance or Fields or one of those, like, whoever was oh, the last yeah. quarterback drafted goes to the Steelers. Now look at it. Now they have Dwayne Haskins and Big Ben is playing as bad as we thought he was. I was fooled by his training camp stuff. I apologize for that. Um, and he's playing like dog water, guys. He didn't have his... He didn't have his blanket, his safety blanket, and Deontay Johnson, who missed week three, targeted Chase Claypool 15 times, targeted Najee Harris 19 times. That's, That's ridiculous. That is crazy. You can't target your running back 19 times. 
Come on. That just says that the he's NFL not has able never to... seen a Najee Harris before, though. That just I mean, shows he that up... he's he's not able to throw the ball deep downfield, which is Chase Claypool's advantage on multiple like corners. He's able to beat them pretty solidly on deep balls. That's his strength. That's his role on the team from what he did last season. He was beating them on routes, but Big Ben could not hit him. I don't think Pittsburgh is. I think they're a declining team. I've thought they've been a declining team. Um, just to go back to Cincinnati real quick, I looked up. They have the fifth worst ranked offense, and they have the eighth best defense. Wow. It's, it's weird. I don't, it is strange. I don't love the way that Burrow's been playing, but he's been playing solid enough where they can win like, football games. You can kind of, yeah, he's able to win football Doing games. what he needs. Exactly. And the defense, 24 to the Vikings, which is solid offense. 20 to the Bears, which is okay. And then 10 to the Steelers, so not bad or anything. And then the way that Joe Mixon's been playing, he's been an absolute work, workhorse with the work that he's been getting. You mentioned three wide receivers there. They've been great. And it's not like Joe Burrow, he's been playing out of his mind or anything, but compared to where he's coming back from last year, and I don't think he played out of his mind either last season. I don't know. It's There's optimism there. I'm not going to have him as like 11 or 12 win team here, but no. I think they're very solid, and I think that uh, they could be kind of pushing for like second place in their division, maybe a last wild card spot. If... The offense can rally behind and support this defense. If the defense continues to play the way they have the past three weeks, I think it's possible they could get a wild card and sneak I think in. It, I Are you liking that Trey around. Hendrickson signing right now? I was just about to mention Trey right. Hendrickson too. He's been playing very well. He has no. He's been playing good. I like it. I, I mean, I didn't. Just the Carl Lawson should make. But can we anyways? Just, can we just mention really quick too the connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? It's I love it. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a work of art. It's T. Higgins too. I believe he had fourteen targets in his last game. It's be, it's a beautiful thing to see. Continue. Well, I think we're wrapped up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are we continuing with? So, before we get into our stand session here to wrap things up, I actually have a little bit of a game. Not a, it's not a segment, but it's a little oh. bit of a. Ben, I want a game. Well, it's not a game, but it's a little bit of a game. Okay, it's like game, so it's like game. It's I'm gonna call this our prediction amendments. So we're gonna go back wow. three weeks. That might be better than Ben's queries. <laughs> we're gonna go back three weeks to our season predictions, and um, I'm gonna allow both of you yep. two amendments to the season predictions that you gave, and. Just give me a little reason why. Uh, Brett is fluttering his hands like a little little butterfly, little little, little third-grade female. Wow. Please. He is begging, so I will let Brett go first with his first amendment to his season predictions. Um, in seasons one and two, um, you can clearly remember me stating that the Steelers will win the AFC North. They suck. It will absolutely not happen. The Steelers will come in... Last in the division, uh, the Bengals will finish better than the Steelers this year. Um, I still think the if they play this way still, the Ravens will win the division. Then it's Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. But I don't know what the hell I was thinking four or five weeks ago. 
this Steelers team is not winning the North. Peanut Gallery, what do you have to say about this? Uh, I called the Steelers finishing in last. Just going to put that out there. Well, we have no proof of that, Peanut Gallery, so we cannot <laughs> confirm or deny. <laughs> we don't even know what your name is. Peanut Gallery 2? I heard Andrew mention this multiple times to me. Well, now you revealed it. When discussing uh, the NFL season. Well, the peanut gallery will be going back to their corner now. making a bold change. Leaving his division winner to last place, the Steelers. We'll go over to Mike next with his first season prediction amendment. Yeah, I'm I'm taking that Patriots one back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking that Patriots one back right off rip. He, He just revoked it. When I... When I, we were talking about this, I was debating Patriots or Chargers, Patriots or Chargers, going back and forth, back and forth. I said, I'll give the benefit of, benefit of the doubt to Belichick. <laughs> I'd be shocked if the Patriots get 10 wins, dog. Doggy, it ain't happening. I'm taking I'm taking the Chargers over the Patriots. I'm sliding the Chargers back in there. And we will forget I ever said that the Patriots will be in the playoffs over the Chargers. Continue, Ben, please. Well, ironic that you just did that because I will be uh... – Eliminating, uh, you can go with either one on here. The Patriots or the Steelers, both teams I just mentioned. Just continue <laughs> with my line here. I'm going to get rid of one of the Patriots or the Steelers. You could do, honestly, either here. And I don't, I understand why I did it, but I really shouldn't have. I'm going to put the Ravens back in the playoffs. Uh, Andrew's giving big old thumbs up. Yeah, you almost lost the Lions this week. So, wah, um, wah, wah. yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, Justin Tucker did have a great kick and everything, but I'm going to add the Ravens back in. Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback, and he's got a great team around him, and, yeah, he's better than the Steelers and the Patriots, so I will add them to my wild card slot over uh, one of the Patriots or the Steelers. Take your pick. Brett, we'll move over to your second and final amendment to your season predictions. All right, this one required a little bit more thought, um, but I'm actually going to pull the Saints out of my wild card. Uh, in the NFC playoffs, um, I, I don't think the Saints are ready to make that leap, seeing what they've done the three weeks. Um, yes, they beat the Packers. Great win, but I think the Packers are just flat-footed. And they kind of beat up on the Patriots that were kind of just low and couldn't really get back up. So I don't think much of that one. And then, obviously, they lost to the Panthers by a pretty significant amount. So, um I'm going to pull the Saints out. Obviously, the Panthers are in there. Um, I think the Cardinals will make the wild card. And I think you're probably going to see someone maybe to the nature of Washington if they can slide in there. Um, maybe San Francisco. I actually, more now that I think about it, the more they play this good football, I think San Francisco will be that wild card spot. So I'm going to say Seattle, Carolina, and San Francisco are my three wild cards in the NFC. Oh, sorry. I said Seattle. Arizona, San Francisco, and Carolina. My bad. That's on me. Okay, so you switched out the Saints for who? So I swapped out the Saints for, I believe it was Arizona. You said Carolina, right? So I I said my three ones were Arizona, Carolina, and San Francisco. I believe Arizona was out of it for the Saints in my first one. I can't 100% remember. Okay, so we'll put in Carolina there. So Carolina, Arizona, San Fran. 
flat out, that's the I that's the, the big picture. Carolina. I can't remember who. That's I, true. Yeah. All I know is I had Saints in the wild card. Do you want to just restate that? Because yeah, so just I'll just clarify. Just um, clarify. So I'm pulling the Saints out. Pulling the Saints. Card, I'm inserting the Carolina Panthers as my final. Insertion. Wow. Um, but the Panthers are in my third wild card now with Arizona and San Fran. So those are my three wild cards. My turn. Well, thank you, Ben Pope, and thank you, Brett Shaws. <laughs> Going into the season, I was super high on this team. Ben was kind of making fun of me for it. Rightfully so, looking back on it. Um, two sprained ankles. Uh, don't know how I feel about that one. I had the Indianapolis Colts winning the AFC South. How are you feeling about that? I'm not that, feeling well. That's not good. How I'm, you like that? I don't like it. I'm gonna that's be, what I thought. I'm going to be honest with you. Love Carson Wentz. L- should I say loved Carson Wentz past, past tens? It's starting to piss me off. Yeah, he's starting to uh, really cream my corn right now. Just not good at all. He, um, didn't you use that? We're going to use it again. Because why not? All right. I like it. Yeah, Carson Wentz, he's just, I mean, it makes me so sad. But the man just cannot stay healthy. And we, I said this when I made the prediction that you cannot be consistently good off on the offense when you have Carson Wentz there. I put all my eggs in the basket that Carson Wentz was going to stay healthy. O-line was going to hold him up. The man oh. has two sprained ankles. And although I think that the Colts are still a great team and they could potentially be a wild card team, potentially, depending on Carson Wentz, I, no bueno. I, I, it, they're just not how I expected them to be Yeah. before week one. So your last one, Benjamin? Yeah, I know where we're at. Um, this one's, this one's just an ugly one and it's not because Mike's right in my face here. Wow. Um, I got to take the Chicago bears out of here. Matt Nagy and these guys are just, they're just begging to be, Dog, you're gonna be spinning like Michael they're Jackson. Just, they're just place. begging to finish last in the AFC, the NFC North and the way that the Lions are playing might actually happen, even though they're 0 and 3. Um, and I'm going to put in, of course, the team that I've been giving so much credit to along with Michael here, but I didn't give them the credit that they deserved, first of all. The Carolina Panthers, my goodness, they are very much a top five team in the NFC for me right now, and they have been playing unbelievably well, and I'm going to add them into my wild card spot here over the Chicago Bears. So for mine, I am adding the Ravens and the Panthers to the wild card spots in the AFC and the NFC. Am I running this podcast with Mike and Ben or Matt Rule and Joe Brady? I guess we'll find out. Wait till unzip Mike. You might see Matt Rule under here, doggy. <laughs> I guess that means I'm Joe. And you I, are big Joe. I might be getting a head coaching job soon, but we'll move along finally. I'm keeping you for the long hong, doggy sings. Oh, no, you don't know about that. <laughs> this is the long hong. <laughs> All right, so we will finally move on to our final segment here. Oh, God. Yay! Stand sessions time, fellas. Yay! Uh, we are we are at the stand session. Uh, we'll start off with Mike because I, I don't think we've started. Ooh, yeah, I don't think yet we have with either. Mike. So, Mike, give us your first stand here. We'll do a couple stands here before we wrap it up. So, before I get into my first stand of week three, I said 
I vowed that I would have a defensive player in every week, and I will stick to that this week. Mm-hmm. And I will start off with my defensive player, my defensive player of the week, a.k.a. who I stand in week three, none other than Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Four and a half sacks. Yeah. Absolute beast. The best edge rusher in the NFL. Miles Garrett. And there is um, a lightsaber fight in the hallway. Despite, <laughs> d- dis- despite this, despite this, my, th- that uh, the lightsaber fight in the hallway doesn't take away from the fact that Miles Garrett is the best edge rusher in the NFL, and he is my top stand of the week. Four and a half sacks. I am to see a quiet right now it's for not Browns like edge rusher. We check these beforehand with each other, but Mike, no. this is the second time that we have matched stand sessions here. I actually had a little bit that I was going to give, but I- I'll still give it. Do you know why? I'll tell you why. Because great minds think alike. Well, thinking about minds and heads. We're gonna talk about Two Face. I'd like some. We're gonna head. talk. We're gonna talk about Two Face and the Joker. Two Face is Miles Garrett slamming that helmet into Mason Rudolph's head. He's got multiple faces. He's got that angry man that pulls it out off the football field, but on the football field, I'd like head. some head. He's an angry man as well. God, we gotta cut that out. But Miles Garrett is the Two Face man, and he was showing off. His ability on the field this week. You mentioned the four and a half sacks. A complete career high. I'm going to just say it right now. Say it. I think he might be the lead for the defensive player of the year this year over Aaron Donald. He honestly could have won it last year. Talk to him. didn't miss out with COVID injuries. And then you talk about the Joker. Okay, talk to him. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. J-O-K. Which. Talk to him, Ben. Talk to him, Ben. We him going to the Browns. We loved it. John Johnson. Oh. The additions to this defense, how would it work out? And oh, my heart's fluttering, Ben. Keep going. Full display this week against the lowly Chicago Bears. You're out of my playoff race now oh, because the boys from Gotham, the Two-Face, and the Joker Talk to him. showed you up. Talk to him. Talk to him, Ben. Brett, what do you have to say about that? Good luck following that one up. <laughs> He'll follow it with a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was great, by the way. That, that was, was beautiful. That, that was, was a beautiful great. promo. Wow. Um, just for you, just I don't for know how you, I can follow up on for, that. Just for you listeners at home, we're basically just standing up right now uh, in the face of Brett while we're stating this. We are hyping each other up, too. I, very I'm, much I so. feel very threatened right now. No, nah, you shouldn't. Um, all right, so here's my stand. I'm a Matt Judon stan. Um, I like this one a lot. Seriously, I, I can't win in this gun. one. I don't know why he's cracking no, up. Keep no, going, that's a good one. No, it is good. Matt Judon, two tackles, one assisted, two and a half sacks against the Saints. Leads the Patriots in sacks with three and a half. Matt Judon has been the heart and soul of this Patriots defense right now. Um, yeah, I'm just going to cut myself out here because clearly these two can't hold it together. Um, you know what? I'm a Miles Garrett stand. Three. Yes. Put it in. Over on the side with Jadenian Clowney. Yes. And Jeremiah Rusu Kuramura. Not the O, but that's okay. It's okay. J-O-K. You want to know why it is okay? 
Why is it okay? Talk to him. Because Miles Garrett had four and a half sacks. And you know what? I, why else it's okay? Because I want head. This is like scary time right now. <laughs> I have no clue what you're going to add and what you're going to keep out. Because, man, this you, is you, rough. You're going to take this out, dog. This is a career detrimental, dog. <laughs> okay. Uh, number two, stand to Mike. My turn again. Oh, we're up again. Okay, I feel like I just won. <laughs> My second stand. No. Now, now I feel pressure. No, you're good. We're making that connection, right? There's no, no pressure here. St- My stand session of week three. My second one. Ready for this? My second and final one of week three. It's a goat. I'm going with the goat. He is my week three stand. Justin Tucker with the golden with the golden boot. 66 yards. Can you smell? Put the kickers are cooking. Put that leg in the hall. Justin Tucker, 66 yard field goal. 66 yard field goal. Donked off the crossbar. Up and in. Yeah, high five. Did you mention that's like the longest in NFL history? Yeah, it is. I was getting there, Benjamin. Freedom. By the way, for listeners at home, this will be the only, only time that a kicker is accepted, actually accepted here on a stand session. Brett. No Daniel Carlson. No Graham Goodell. About the kicker, he set a NFL record on Sunday. Did Daniel Carlson do that? No. Did Matt Prater do that? No, but he's going to be your stand next week. And Daniel Carlson and Graham Gano did not. Come on now. You've got to give the man some love as Alex just drops Ben's fan right on the ground in the smithereens. Onto his laptop, which might have broken uh, both, both <laughs> things. Oh, no. We'll have to see on that one, but we'll go over to my stand. My stand. Oh, okay. It's Give good. The thumbs up. Uh, just like oh, jeez. <laughs> As we get a full glance of Justin Tucker here, I'm gonna go into my second stand here, and I've been a stand of this man since last season. Mike, you want to actually pay attention for this one? I'm a Dalton Schultz stand. Oh yeah, Dalton Schultz. I could have. And then you fun of me for my take. You talk about who <laughs> led? No, no, no. You talk about who led in targets. For the Dallas Cowboys on on Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles in primetime, no, it wasn't C.D. Lamb. No, it wasn't Amari Cooper. No, it wasn't Cedric Wilson or Ezekiel Elliott. No, it was Dalton Schultz. Six catches, two touchdowns, the same as Ezekiel Elliott. He was a lead guy in this offense. I know that Blake Jarwin's back and everything, but he seems like he might be on his way to a bigger target share in the Dallas offense, which is kind of cool. And I like Dalton Schultz a lot as a player. Playing in the background is Justin Tucker singing his opera. I apologize. I'm sorry to cut you off, Ben. No, I finished my point. I finished my point. Beautiful. Justin Tucker deserves all the credit in the world for this. And not only does he have a one beautiful leg, he has one beautiful voice as well. You can tell that Mike is... Not can sleep in 24 hours. This is Brett, how I we'll am, go dog. over to your final stand. All right, Justin, that's enough. Set. Brett needs to take his turn. You need to quiet down over here, Justin. I'll just mute that one. And Brett, bring us to your second before, stand. Before I bring it to my second stand, oh, uh, can we do a third stand? Because this has been probably the best stand sessions we've had. 
Why not make it three? I I'll come up with one on the fly. I one prepared, but all right, we'll go with it. My second stand, the Jalen Hurts stand. Um, not more about the statistics he put up against Dallas, but Doggy. about the comments <laughs> he made after the game. <laughs> I you took a zoo it! I took his stand! <laughs> I told I told him for context here, fellows. He did, and I liked I it. That's why I did it. The context of this, and he stole it. Yep. Go ahead, Brett. Um, <laughs> he made some comments after the game that related to um, a number two. Um, but to summarize it um, in this manner, he basically just said, you know, for the mistakes that we make, we're going to be accountable, and we're going to come out, and we're going to win football games after. So. Jalen Hurts, obviously... Brett, if you want to read the quote, please read the actual quote. I'll have you read it, because I know you love this quote so much. But, um, just going along, Jalen Hurts, obviously, hasn't had the best situation to work with, but... But, yeah. Um, the, the, exact, in essence, the exact quote is... Hurts, Hurts you take a... You take you a deuce. You don't sit there and look at it. You flush it and move on. We're going to flush it and move on. Yeah, that's the quote. So um, he's obviously not holding back on the way his team has played, and he's just going to move on and win football games. And Ben, I apologize for stealing the context there, but I felt it was appropriate and needed to be said. Uh, let Jalen Hurts stand here. Ben, would you like to share your third stand? I, I do as well. I have one ready, too, if you fellas want me to go back to back. You go ahead. Go ahead. All right. All right. I'm, a, I'm a Josh Allen stand for my last one. Um, Josh Allen, 32 for 43, 359 passing yards, four TDs, no picks. Josh Allen, the man, the myth, the legend, the man that should have went to Denver, uh, but they took Bradley Flippin' Chubb, um, went off, finally. Um, in week three against the football team. Uh, had two quiet weeks against Miami and Pittsburgh. Finally breaks out of the shell and shows the real Josh Allen colors. And I absolutely loved it. So Josh Allen is my third stand. That's going to wrap up episode number six of 3 Now Podcast. Live, laugh, love, Daniel Carlson and Graham Gano. I'm Brett Shobbs alongside Ben Pope and the beautiful Mike Giacchetti. We'll catch you in episode number seven. For now, go watch some Daniel Carlson highlights. <laughs> Have yourself a splendid evening. Have a pumpkin muffin and take care.